Tim Joyce. It's been since June. <laughs> since right? I've heard like, that. We had to look it up. June 21st was our last episode. That's insane. Right? Right. Well, we've been living in Europe for a while, so the idea of taking a full summer off isn't isn't wild, right? <laughs> well, except not on the entrepreneurial side of things, but on, on the podcast side for sure. Um Right. Right. And I, you know, for the for the listeners and the viewers that are joining us back, welcome back. And you know, Jim and I kind of caught up on how do we you know, when we started, this was in the kind of in the midst of the pandemic, right? We all need right. a stage. That's why there's like 4 million podcasters out there now or something. Crazy <laughs> like right, right, right. Um, but June 21st, oh man, almost two months, right? That, that we didn't have almost. I mean, we're in September now. Right. Quiet. Um, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's, it's, you know, we, we hit, you know, week after week after week, really for years, right. For almost for two yeah, years, yeah, you know, yeah. for the guts of two years. Yeah. And then, you know, it, you know, and it's <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, now I think, so what's our strategy now? So we've come up with our right. strategy. We still think that's, it's, you know, it's relevant and people need a shot of digital health. They just need it kind of, you know, the dosing is going to be a little less frequently. It's not going to be daily exactly. or weekly. Well, we are going to commit to, let's just say roughly once a month, but, yeah. you know, not that we're going to do this Tim Ferriss style, but we're going to, you know, yeah. as usual, amazing guests, but we're going to dive right. deeper and have, you know, kind of deep versus the 35 minutes or so. But um, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a, it's like biologics, you know, the biologics, a weekly dose. Now we're going a monthly dose. <laughs> we'll see yeah. how, we'll see okay, how the treatment, see how the treatment right. sticks. Um, with that, I'm super excited uh, to let our next guest in, um, who uh, I met. Actually, I don't know if you know him, Dave, Mr. Dave mm -hmm. Carrigan, joining us live, almost live from good old Boston. Nice. There, there he is, Mr. Carrigan. Welcome, welcome. Hello, gentlemen. How are you today? Good, good. I was just as I was pressing the button, letting you in. I was saying that you and I met, um, well, definitely pre pre pandemic, and um, I was reminiscing. I think it's through our buddy Steve Aguilar. Um, you know, I was thinking of that too, and there's probably a handful of people that might have introduced us, but I'm pretty sure Steve was the guy. Well, the reason I remember this, because we're talking about the shot of digital health therapy. I remember that Marina wanted some drink that is alcoholic, but no calorie, something that only sold in Boston. And I think I met you and Steve at the bar, like an actual bar. But then you guys told me about some drink delivery service. And we had those drinks delivered to the bar so I can bring it home to Marina. I mean, nice. technically... Technically, you had to go to the entrance of the hotel and they couldn't actually bring it in the bar. <laughs> that's right. But right. yes, that's exactly what happened. Well, with that, Jim, Dave, Dave, Jim. Um, and Great to meet. Dave, have we crossed paths before? I don't know if we have. It's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> this is why I have to ask people, like, as I get older, <laughs> do I, like, I have my family, do I know you? You know, well, pleasure to meet you. I, I looked at your background. I'm really excited to get a chance to chat with you today. Speaking yeah, of the likewise. background, take us all the way 
back, Dave. Give us your life story and, you know. Tell our millions of listeners who, who Dave Kerrigan is. It was a Thursday in August, 1974. <laughs> Wait, <no>. Nice. <laughs> I, I'm one of those weird guys that actually kind of knew what I wanted to do in high school. Uh, okay. I guess, you know, I'll say high school. As I get into college, first semester, freshman year high school, I was a healthcare administration major. I was like, I want to be in this business, the business of healthcare. And post-graduation, just about every job I had was somehow touching the health and benefits space. So uh, when I say health and benefits, you know, I worked at a hospital. I worked at a home care. I worked at two different insurance companies. I worked at the you know, state of Massachusetts Health Connector running their small group shop exchange under the ACA. Worked at two different brokerage firms, you know, employee benefit brokerage firms. I was a former licensed insurance broker. And so in doing that, you kind of get to see the full spectrum of how, you know, this United States healthcare system works from the provider side to the insurance and coverage side to those that help facilitate that. And um, I suppose if we want to just kind of move through the career, uh, I ended up, you know, starting my own business consulting company and then launching a software company alongside that. So I've got now two companies that I run and that's kind of- okay current situation uh of where we're at but when you were like 13 and or you maybe younger i'm just trying to get the ages that you're like nine or something and kids want to play like little league and you're like you're like i gotta review my parents benefits plans is that like is it that level i wasn't that geeky. no not quite that not quite that bad i was okay. uh, i was a high school and collegiate sprinter so i was an athlete and, and enjoyed and well, those skills side to me, but uh, no, my dad you... was a hospital administrator. My mom was a nurse. So I got to see uh... your stuff at home. Okay. And a couple of times my dad would bring me into the hospital and he was the chief operating officer of the hospital he was at. And in Boston, in Boston. Yeah. It was a uh, St. Okay. medical center. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So that St. Elizabeth's in what is that? In Bright Brighton or something? That's is right. it? That's exactly yeah. In Brighton. Yeah. I have a, I have a cousin, a nurse, nurse, uh, long standing nurse there. Um, Jim, I thought you know, like St. Elizabeth's. Cousins. I thought that was the yeah, cousin. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. That's only go your cousin from Boston, you know, <laughs> from the uh, the what is that Sam Adams commercials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a great there was a great Irish pub right next to, right next to St. Elizabeth's too. I don't want to take us off subject here. Where we haven't. I mean, it is the shot. There, there's a few actually. That whole area, Brighton, has a whole strip of. Right. Well, the, the reason I know this is because post college, <laughs> right, as I started right. out into this wonderful healthcare uh, career of mine, I used to do a fair amount of Friday Saturday nights, and you know the Kells was the one that I used to go to pretty frequently uh, back in okay. the day, which wasn't too far. So you were, time. so you were uh, a sprinter, and you said, and you you kind of taken after your parents going into health, going right into healthcare. So you went, and then you then you started a, your own company up right away, like a consultancy company, or did you work no, in the space? No. Oh no, no in That's the hospital. Actually, Sorry, fast, in the he hospital. He fast forwarded. He was very humble about all the stuff. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, I grew up uh, in an Irish Catholic family. I've got seven brothers and sisters. You know, you, you you try to, I suppose, talk about yourself to a little to an extent because there was so many other people talking about themselves. You had to kind of. <laughs> Above, but uh, no, right. I mean, I can walk you through all sorts of details, but I think if if we're getting to kind of the crux of it, right? When you when you're working, let me put it this way: when you're when you're in a career and you think you're doing everything you need to do to get to that promised land, and and for me, 
you know, promised land when I was in high school and in college. And then post-college was like getting to a certain career, reaching a certain level, reaching a certain title, reaching a certain salary, you know, right. career driven. Right. And I had achieved that by all accounts. I was, you know, the the leadership team of a private exchange at Buck Consultants Xerox. Uh, that's what they were known as the time. I uh, had a nice salary. By all accounts, I'd achieved all those things. Um, but what had happened was um, years earlier, my dad, who I already mentioned, you know, hospital administrator, someone I really looked up to, he uh, got Parkinson's and dementia. And over the course of six, seven years, just slowly faded away, you know? And wow. at the time when he passed away, which is back in September of 20, sorry, September, excuse me, July of 2016, I I went out, you know, of course, for the, the services. And when I returned to work, uh, I don't know if we can swear on this, on this, you know, episode. Go here. for it. Try not to. <laughs> my, my level for putting up with BS is what I'll say. It right. was like, it was gone. You know, I went back yeah. to work and, and even though we were a small team, just a lot of corporate BS that can happen, you know? Right. I just had zero tolerance for it. I I, I guess I was faced with, you know, passing yep. of a father figure, looking at my own mortality, reevaluating, you know, geez, I accomplished everything I thought I wanted to accomplish, but is this really it? And it really triggered something in me. And at first I was like, it's the grief, you know, you lose someone important. This is what happened. Sure. Months later, I was still fancy and not, you know, settled. And so at that point, I decided I was going to start a side business doing work with early stage companies because years before that, I had gotten involved with, you know, Mass Challenge Health Tech and Thai Boston Scale Up. And I was doing this volunteer work for different organizations that had accelerator programs and mentorships and things like that as a guy who knew the benefit space, because that's where I really settled into my career. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks didn't know that space. So I was the guy that would be asked to talk to the, the startups, the early stage companies about how to best do that work. So I decided, well, maybe I'll start a business and and focus on it. So I actually, you know, created a website and then in January of 2017, filed the paperwork to create my consulting business. Okay. And less than two weeks later, I got laid off from my day job. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. And that was one of those, you know, depending on how in, it was like right. one of those, like, do you believe in science? Do you believe in God and religion and whatever else you want to say? But that was, that was, my dad was not a, a shy person. He was a pretty blunt and to the point kind of guy. You always knew where you stood. And I used to joke, if someone was leaning over the precipice of becoming an entrepreneur and diving in, you know, I kind of gently started to look and somebody pushed me. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, so yeah, I at that well, point was like, well, I think we're going to make a run at this. And you didn't awesome. fall off the cliff. You got the wings and you started flying. <laughs> and yeah, I, think I mean, I suppose that that's questionable. This is the stuff in entrepreneurship world that people gloss over. It they just see, you know, <laughs> sure. hovering. You dip, you hover. You got to survive to thrive, as we've been saying. So lot, lots, lots yeah. of right. downside. Um, but it's interesting the time you started, right? If we sort of rewind back on kind of digital health and the startup, and I think Nick Doherty was running the Mass Challenge at the time, if right. I'm not mistaken, right? There was a yep. lot of stuff happening, right? And, you know, maybe a little bit back to, and still, right? I mean, certainly we're starting to see more of a graveyard, I guess, um, uh, around it all. But the uh, combination of hype cycle, lots of solutions, 
uh, and maybe just kind of fast forward, I'm curious for our listeners on the benefit pitch, like what was the problem you were solving then and maybe how did it evolve over time now, right? Yeah. I mean, really, it, the evolution of that, I don't want to say it hasn't evolved, but I think what I was able to do is just gently keep tweaking a business model until I found that right fit. So when when I started my business consulting company, which has this very funny name, it's called Sante Nask. Sante is a French term for health. Nask is a Gaelic term for link or connect. I happen to be Irish and French Canadian. My daughter's names begin with S and N. It was just one of those fun, you know, I'm going to create a company and, yeah. you know, yeah. bam, became the full-time job. Um, I was about probably two to three months into that when I realized that I might be successful as a business consultant, but if I had some sort of software, if I could build something that I could license, that would be really, you know, available. a better situation. Maybe I could consult around it. And you go to what you know. And as a former broker and as a guy who's worked with vendors, what I knew was that brokerage firms, you know, employee benefit brokerage firms, generally speaking, are incredibly fragmented in how they approach business. Each individual broker in each individual office for each individual firm across the United States have their own approach to talking to vendors, the questions they ask. And this is a big generalization, but generally speaking, they would all vet them a little differently. So as a vendor, I could talk to five people at the same brokerage firm, but in different offices, and they would ask me different questions. And not only would mm. they ask me different questions, but they wouldn't share the notes of that call with one another. They're just really siloed. They're focused on their office, their book of business. And that's a really nightmare situation for any early stage company or any established company that's trying to run, sell on the benefit base. Are those run somewhat independently then? Like an office in Boston for a company X versus <clears throat> you know, go a little bit north or are they pretty independent? They that, can be. Um, yeah. This is getting into a little, little bit of the trends of this space, but over the last decade plus, uh, benefit firms have been on an acquisition spree. Um, yeah. The bigger firms snatching up smaller firms. And in some cases, you saw some bigger firms coming together. So I was part of Willis HRH that, you know, was part of HRH and Willis coming together. And then they were bought by Towers Parent or, you know, merged with. So it was Willis Towers Watson now. A couple of years back, not even that long ago, Aon and Willis Towers Watson tried to do their thing and come together. It didn't quite work. Mm. Gallagher just acquired Buck Consultants. And these are big firms. The yep. small firms are still on what feels like a daily basis getting bought by these larger firms. So, so Dave, thinking about that acquisition, they allowed them to operate very independently. They, they roll them under the mothership and the resources are available. But sometimes they get rolled into a region and those regions operate pretty loosely on how they manage those other business lines. So so Dave, we, we've got like of the millions of listeners and followers we have, we've got people from all over the world you know, with different levels of knowledge. So, so what is like in the, like, like I, I'm sitting in Ireland, what is a benefit firm? And then maybe what is benefit pitch? But Jim, first of all, you didn't tell me that you're, are you Irish born and raised or? No, I'm a Bostonian that, you know, didn't get the memo that people tended to move the other way. So I have 20 <laughs> years in Dublin, but similar to you, probably it sounds like similar background heritage wise. You, you know? yourself American Irish, right? I'm American, American Irish. Yeah. I, I actually Irish. have my Irish citizenship. So I've I've been to Ireland before, but I'm a second generation removed. So my grandparents were both off the boat. 
Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah, done, we'll done to make it all in that area. So all right. Next, yeah. next bar we yeah. meet at will be in Dublin. We there we just had four, we had forty thousand Americans here last weekend, or we, like about a week ago, and uh, for the Notre Dame Navy game, you know, at Aviva Stadium, Dublin. So it was like one of the biggest Irish American events ever uh, in the history, or something like that. So, anyways, so so coming back, like for the what you know what is a benefits firm why do we need them and like and then what is benefit pitch maybe or, you know yes. is that just to kind of ground pitch the benefit pitch no <laughs> <laughs> i'll explain it this way um in the united states uh employees of an organization get access to health insurance through their employers for the large part so more than 50 percent of americans if they're not covered by government which is basically the other 50 percent medicare medicaid it's commercial insurance and people get it through their employer. Most employers, vast majority, 90, 95% plus, work with an employee benefit broker or consultants to help procure their benefits packages. And benefits packages are things like your health insurance, your dental insurance, your vision, short-term, long-term STD, long-term care insurance if you need it. And then anything else under the sun that an employer might offer to employees as, you know, perks and other things to get them to want to work there. And historically, those were very basic things that happened out of kind of a combination of two things. One is post-World War II trying to make, you know, workplaces more desirable. And then second, I want to say it was a combination of a university and a, and a hospital in Texas that was trying to ensure the students. So they just had them all go to the university to get the healthcare that they needed. And so it just, these kind of two themes came about fast forward, how many years, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And the United States ties health insurance coverage and access to insurance to your employer. And these benefit brokers and consultants work with employers to help them put together an attractive benefits uh, package to attract and retain benefits, uh, excuse me, employees. And to another extent, without getting too deep in the insurance space, insurance is either fully insured, which is you're pooling your risk with all of the other people of an insurance company, or you're large enough as an employer that you self-fund, you are now a risk-bearing entity. And when you do that, which is, you know, I'll say typically it's generally, you know, been 500 to 1,000 employees these days going much, much lower. Um, but when you become a risk-bearing entity as an employer, that broker, benefit broker, becomes very important because they're going to help with a lot of the strategies. And they're going to help identify all of the different solutions, call them point solutions, vendors, that that employer may need or wants to make that place an attractive place to work and to retain talent and to control costs. Because if you have a large population of folks who have diabetes or muscular skeletal issues or whatever it is, you can put vendors in place that when those vendors are engaged, you can mitigate risk, reduce risk, keep people healthy, and drive your costs down as an employer. So benefit awesome. pitch, then I'm gonna try to do your pitch and then you correct. Go go for benefit it. Benefit pitch. And we 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 are on the platform. So we we actually just went back in, Marine and I, uh, to update it. But you said between that brokerage community, individual brokers or groups of brokers. And the service providers, partners, whether it's startups, companies in general that are providing services to these companies. That is a great description. Yep. Okay. I'll, yep. I'll think of it. Think of it as this. There was no classification or system where people could go to search for this stuff. They just, the benefit brokers generally kept it in some sort of spreadsheet, but 
that data and information is out of date as soon as that spreadsheet is closed for the day. If you offer a new service where you work, Eugene, and brokers don't know about it, good luck selling it. You're going to have to talk to them all again. And they're, as I mentioned, siloed and fragmented and hard to reach. So benefit pitch is like a living, breathing, you know, we call it an RFI, request for information. The data in there is not name contact information. It's a lot of information about the companies that we collect for each company. And so your your customers are, in this case, your who's your customer? We actually have both. We have benefit okay. brokers and consultants. And double and dipping, vendors. double dipping. Yeah. Benefit brokers and who? And the, the vendors, like, you know, we call them vendors, solution partners, the the solutions that offer those services to the employer. You know, okay. employers generally don't shop for this themselves. They generally rely on that broker. So we work with the brokers to help put all of the information about all the different vendors in one central system. And then we took it right. a little step further by effectively building a vendor management system around the vendor data and then licensing it to the brokerage firms as okay. a vendor management system. So the larger brokerage firms that have many, many offices and many people and really fragmented and don't store that information, they now have a solution. So, and, and you're such a good, like I, I loved your the way you described the benefit system, the creation. So like what would a typical vendor be? Yeah, that's there. We have what we call service types, which are categories. And I think we're nearing 400 of them. Wow. Um, you know, I, there was a vendor today that I talked to. They're like, do you have any category for offboarding? And the answer oh. is we didn't, but now we do. So the idea is <laughs> if if you are moving people from employment into unemployment, what are you doing for them? And these folks oh. offer a service in that space. And now we have a category for offboarding, but it could be, you know, Big buckets are like HR technology, which actually often okay. part of, but things like hiring and retention, payroll, you know, benefit administration. Those are HR systems that are used in that hiring process and yep. development process. Then there's the benefits that are offered to the individual employees that if you're an employee of an organization, you could have a muscular skeletal benefit. A We talked about diabetes as a benefit, you know, popular benefits these days, pet services, caregiving oh, yeah. services. Yeah. Services around like uh, open health enrollment, and well-being, like that. decision support, health and, well-being. health and well-being, of course, coaching, of course. Um, yep. Yeah, there's, you know, behavioral mental health, big, big category for us. Um, and then even in the financial space. So retirement, you know, planning for retirement, um, financial yep. wellness, all of that stuff. These are so you've got 400. You've got 400 of these vendors in your database. Well, not exactly. So I mentioned categories. So those are the different categories. We've got more than 1,200 vendors. Okay. Uh, wow. In this, in the benefit pitch marketplace, call it. Um, and the way we license it to brokers as this vendor management, we now have more than 13,000 benefit brokers, consultants throughout the country that use the, uh, the service today. Wow. So you got 13,000 and then they, so then they can go into your database of vendors and say, Hey, you know, help us. I want to design, you know, I want to see what's out there because we've got a demand or requests, you know, from our companies or we want to try to pitch is that kind of yeah pretty close i mean if they're if they're helping to do the planning what they're going to be doing is sitting down with the heads of hr and the cfo of these companies and say what are you what is your focus for you know 2024 and they're going to say you know what last year we put in a benefit for you know behavioral mental health and we put in a benefit for you know families um and things like that but this year you know, 2024 and beyond, we're thinking we need to do more in this caregiving space. 
Uh, oh, and by the way, it's probably time to look at another, you know, dental provider. We've been with this provider for seven years and it's probably worth just looking at the market to see what else is out there. Interesting. So they'll help with what they call market their insurance programs. So they'll go yeah. to a bunch of, you know, health vendors, health insurance vendors, or, you know, companies or um, dental insurance companies, whatever it is, and just kind of say, this is what we do, this is what we need. Yep. Show, show us the rates and, and they'll try to get a better deal and, you know, try to get the best deal is generally what they're trying to do. Um, and But in addition, all of the different point solutions uh, that make up the other parts of the benefits package, you know, there's only so many health insurance companies and so many dental companies, but right. if we searched, you know, behavioral mental health and benefit pitch, there's yeah. 150, 200 plus something vendors there. You wow. Know, Benefit brokers and consultants aren't going to do a an RFP for that. They're going to need to right. narrow it down on criteria and figure out what types of vendors are the right types of vendors for whichever client it is. Some clients might need a really light touch something. Someone might need a really in-depth something. They need full-blown, you know, coaching, in-person, uh, assessments, you know, cognitive behavioral yep. therapy, you know, whatever it is in a particular category. So you're vetting you're vetting those, you know, so the ones that the, the 1200 or something that end up in your database, you're interacting with them and helping vet them to a level or? A little, little different. Uh, we effectively allow the benefit brokers and consultants to vet what they need. So all of the okay. information the vendors put in is kept up to date by the vendors. So Eugene mentioned yeah. when he, you know, gets started yeah, a few we, minutes ago that, you know, he and Marina just have logged our, uh, the information. We have our work sessions, Marina and I, and for the, I think yeah. for the last three days, We've been spending like 25% of our work session just going through the very detailed updates. And you've changed quite a lot, actually, uh, to the better, right? Like as far as just more details. Um, yeah, adding users, adding products. Yeah. We're making it a little yeah. easier for the vendors to put out there what they're selling and promoting and offering. And then as awesome. a broker, if I come in and I'm looking for you know, coaching, which includes in-person and virtual, if I need, you know, whatever it is, I can co combine all different search terms, service types, et cetera, things like that to narrow a list. And not only that, but let's just say that Eugene's group works in all segments, but one of his competitors only works with groups between a thousand and 5,000. If I'm a 200 life group and I'm searching on that segment, those other companies go away. And the only ones we see are the ones who work in that segment. That's so awesome. It makes it easier for the broker versus calling up, talking, and then realizing, sorry, no, we don't work with group size size. Thanks, click, and then have to call them again. Call another one and see, you know, do you work with groups of size? No, sorry, thanks. You know, they can use the system, the benefit pitch system, to to really narrow that narrow down that list and begin their own, you know, what I call vendor search, sorts, filter, and discovery and outreach. So they can begin that process of getting to know the vendor to see if it's a good fit for their for their client. So let's awesome. jump to, so again, the problem you're solving for the brokers, you're solving a problem for discoverability for, you know, the partners like ourselves. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's been happening in the marketplace, right? You kind of mentioned lots of point solutions have mm -hmm. grown over the decade plus. We've seen a consolidation in this digital health space, right? Um, I don't know name almost any larger company that's been around for a decade. They've been acquiring everything from MSK or, or pain, you know, just adding, adding solutions on one side on the employer side. It's always a choice. I think to do you get the best of breed, right. Or just one throw to choke. Um, and I think in the beginning it was sort of like best of breed for certain solutions 
so I'm curious what you've seen on both sides of that marketplace. Yes, the brokers are your, your let's call them resellers ultimately of those services, but. Yeah, I call them buyer influencers. They don't ever resell. Well, in yeah. some instances they resell, but generally they're the one making recommendations based on something. The employer is still the one who signs the contract and who pays the vendor. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're asking about what's been going on. I, I jokingly have said to people, you know, this industry has whiplash. Um, <laughs> prior to COVID, there was, it was like a benefits arms race, you know, everybody, including right. industries that aren't necessarily particularly competitive, meaning you expect a white collar, you know, professional services firm or a tech company or a life sciences, biotech organization. They're competing for talent, really good talent. Right, right. They have to offer good benefits, have to. Because if I'm a scientist and I'm in demand, I'm going to look for the, right company. And part of that right company definition is what do you offer? If my wife and I are looking to have kids and you don't offer fertility benefits, going over here yeah. to your competitor who offers fertility benefits. Um, back, you know, prior to COVID, there were companies that were not in as competitive space, but yet, you know, employees were like, I don't want to work here. I want to work somewhere that they deliver lunch every day. I want to work somewhere right, that has right. this. And so, you know, employers and and benefit brokers were were really chasing, you know, call it best in breed. I mean, and by the way, this also varied by location in the country. Anything yeah. in California, Silicon Valley, holy mackerel, like right. talk about an arms race. And that so like everything in the kitchen sink in the everything in the kitchen sink. I mean, yeah. geez, I was hearing companies that come to your your work during work and change your oil. Right. So I'm like, how do you like that? You know, they change your oil while you work. You know, it's like change your windshield while you work or whatever it is. So that was what it was like kind of the pre-COVID. And and we had like at, at Health Beacon, we when we first started, we had an exercise program where we um made people and uh, put together IKEA furniture for the for the conference room. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if that would cause mental health stress or <laughs> Depending on the personality. But it's kind of team building, team building. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can't read these instructions. They're just right. pictures. You know? Exactly. There's exactly. no words. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so around that same time, there was also the pro proliferation of um, investments in digital health. And you know yeah. this. Billions of dollars with a B each year between... You know, I don't even know how far back, but 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, the number just kept going up every year, more investments in this space, which meant a flood of new vendors, which meant for brokers and employers, a flood of new things to evaluate and know about. Right. So that was kind of part of the impetus of what you know benefit pitch needed to be for the industry. Then we're faced with a, you know, global pandemic. People laid off, people let go, people now working in the office. Yeah. Right. And so everything constricted very quickly. And there was an intense focus on get rid of everything except for what works. And by the way, the definition of what works varies, but if it's supposed to save money, did it save money? Yeah. Right. Is it supposed to drive engagement? Did it drive engagement? Like, and, and if those things weren't happening, it was like, whoosh, cut it, get rid of it. We're not dealing with yeah. it. And then as the pandemic went on, People started to come back to work. Employers started hiring again. People were still out of work, but government programs were providing dollars and subsidies to stay at home. 
So then it almost became that, you know, I don't want to say a benefits arms race again, but I was having a right. conversation with a broker who's working with a hotel organization and they were trying to get some of the frontline workers back. And they were lower wage workers. They were on subsidized, you know, programs for the, you know, pandemic credits and whatever else was been, was out there. And, you know, we, he was asking me, what would you do? And I was like, there's programs for pay on demand. You, they get paid the same day they work up to 50% Ooh. of their paycheck. And he's like, didn't even know that That's existed. Cool. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a neat benefit. And it doesn't cost an employer anything in most cases. It's integration with payroll and time and attendance and a small, you know, transaction fee when the employee takes it out. Hmm. Great way to, you know, put that on a, on a job application and let folks who are lower wage know you don't have to wait every two weeks for your paycheck. That's fantastic. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Really cool stuff out there. Um, but even, even that, people started to come back to work. And I was thinking, right now we're headed to, you know, recession again, potentially, you know, there's, there's inflation, right. there's this. And yet behaviors, you know, there's a workforce dynamic, you know, I'm a Gen Xer, but the baby boomers and Gen Xers, I was the kind of guy that was raised. If you got a good job and it's a tough economy, stay put, put up with right. it, <laughs> you know, don't, don't leave. Um, right. Younger generations, Gen Z, Gen, Gen, don't, Y, whatever, they're like, give, I'm not happy. Don't here. give a shit. <laughs> don't give a shit. Not, not happy here. Gonna leave. <laughs> right. And no, that puts right. the employer in a really tough spot because they need to watch their dollars because they're still in a constricted economy, but they still have this incredible challenge of, you know, attracting, retaining talent. And the whole quiet so, quitting, well, right? Uh, that's right. Sort of been a, you know, a topic as of, I'd say, last year or so, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I always yeah. find that the in, industries tend to, to, you know, I'll say the word glom on to, I don't mean it yeah, in a bad way, yeah, but there's things yeah. that arise. The fact is that probably was happening oh, years yeah. before. Someone just called it something and it stuck, right? You know, right. keeping an employee happy you, is very hard. Digital thing, health, right? right? The term digital I, health. I, I, right. Yeah, I, I did digital health. Oh, yeah, that's a very clear definition of yeah. what exactly. Wait, you right? didn't. Did I ever, t I know we haven't, we hadn't done the podcast in a while, but did I tell you that the dream I had, like I woke up and I wrote the notes down of the, this dream I had where I was in a company and I'm working in a cubicle and I went over and asked someone, you know, there was this kind of very cool, uh, you know, manager and, and I walked over to her and I said, hey, you know, when do we get paid? And she's like, oh, we don't get paid. You know, we work for purpose, you know, and then. And I'm like, well, I got to, you know, I want to meet the boss. And they're like, you know, and like, and they told me who the boss was. I'm like, well, he died like years ago. And they're like, no, no, no. He, he's, he still runs the company, even though he died five years ago. <laughs> yeah, you should say that for one of the health Excel dinner jokes. <laughs> I, I'm, exactly, I'm just exactly. thinking that that's like, it's a perfect situation from an employer. You can't complain <laughs> up the chain. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, they've got you, don't they? Mm -hmm. But Dave, if you looked at your, if you looked at all the, like what you know in your database and I don't know how much like longitudinally, you must be such an early indicator for employer sentiment, right? Like, so when you see the, because when you start, like I think about it, like Eugene, when you start focusing on employee benefits and take the time to do that, you know, it's an indicator for, you know, for, you know, like how is the employer feeling about retention and, and employees and, you know, are they, they're obviously, it's not, it's not core to their business, you know, acquisitions or they're thinking about other side. It must be really interesting if you mapped it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We're, we're just now starting to get to what I would call kind of a next generation data, data layer. Okay. And you know, every month we track information and I can look back, you know, year, two years, um, over the last year to two years, 
in any given month, you know, behavioral mental health, EAP, stress resiliency, these are categories we have. They were always kind of one, two, one, two, three. Um, what was interesting is pet services was always somehow in the top 10, always cracked me up. Wow. And I think it was, you know, EBN, uh, Employee Benefit News, just had an article this week or last week that talked about caregiving services and pet services or what people want in 2024. And I'm like, I could have written that article <laughs> based upon the information right. I have. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to read you right now the top 10 categories over the last 30 days. Top one, number one, pet services. Wow. Two, wow. EAP stress and resiliency. Three is financial, defined as HSA, FSA, HRA, which is health savings account, flexible savings accounts, and health reimbursement accounts, uh, fertility services, student loan services, leave management, child care services, family benefits, translation services, huh. and ID Ooh. theft. Now, I, knowing I the employee benefit space, it's not a surprise to me at all to see translation services because this industry is heading into what's called open enrollment. Yeah, most large employers or many employers renew on January 1st of each year. And this is the time where they're putting together packets of communications that roll out in the October, November timeframe to discuss what was selected and, and will be launched for 1-1-24. And yeah. if we have employees of different various you know, languages yeah. and like backgrounds, yeah. guess what you need? You need translation services. So again, it doesn't surprise me at all to see it in here. That will be a spike around this time of year that probably won't see again until next year at this time. Fascinating. Amazing. In in all these all these, I know I won't ask this is a fascinating space to me, Dave. It, it, but is all these um digital health point solutions or solutions or like, you know, like you know, Eugene and I run company, you know, I guess broadly defined digital healthcare companies. Do you deal with that that level? Like, are you looking at like a Lavongo or an Amada or like a Propeller, like these kind of companies? Are they also in your system? They are, yeah. Okay. The way I look at it is they can be as early as they've got a product to sell. Got um, it. In every vendor that comes through, I I put a layer of vetting. It's not like a deep, yep. sure. you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put them through the ringer on it. And the reason I do that is twofold. One is, there's just not enough time with, you know, each vendor coming in daily. I can't, you know, vet everyone deeply, but as a guy who's a former benefit consultant, I know what to look for, you know, and when I say know what to look for, people say, well, I don't think this vendor's any good, Dave. I said, yeah, you don't, but you know what? Your competitor who has a small group that just needs a really basic solution, it might be the perfect solution for them. Right. Who, who am I to say that's not a good vendor? I can't. But it might yeah. be the perfect solution for the right sized group. And it might be a really small mm. group that just wants to check a box. That's their decision, not mine. So I don't want to prevent, be the preventer of putting that service in benefit pitch. Where I will prevent them from going in, or at least pause and say, do you need to chat? If I have questions about you know pricing or implementation, they're like, it's a free download in the app store. I'm like, all right, you've never worked in the benefit space before. I can tell because of your responses. And then I know they're not, you know, what I would call game ready. And I usually pull them aside and have a conversation and say, listen, but this is used by benefit professionals for big brokerage firms representing employers of all sizes across the United States. If someone were to reach out to you, you need to be prepared to sell in this industry. Have you? Are you prepared? Do you know this? And I kind of give them a little crash course. And in some cases, they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're not ready for this yet. Right. Uh, which frankly, sometimes is where my consulting business can come in. I don't do a ton of consulting anymore because I'm so busy with benefit pitch, but my 
business okay. consulting companies, working with brokerage firms on innovation topics and working with early stage companies on, call it the market strategies for, for the employer space. But you also, awesome. the point, yes, the solution is the right solution for the right broker and ultimately the right size employer. But to your point, you can't catch it all, but you have, you said 13,000 plus brokers on the system that I'm sure yeah. will be continuously feeding back as well, right? And and so it's almost like a self-checking system uh, in a way. But um, yeah. before we dive to the last question that, Jim usually has. Um, I do want to ask about this wonderful masked broker and the amazing concept you came up with animation. But there's well, you tell you tell us. I I I actually I enjoy those little videos personally. I'm glad you do. Um, I've always been a guy who doesn't do things in the traditional way. Um, you know, boring is boring, and you know, folks are like, will you do a webinar? I'm like, I hate to say it, webinars are boring. Um, not everyone, of course. If it's your company, of course, I'm interested. If I'm really interested in service, it's an interesting webinar. Yeah. But just putting a webinar is like, you know, a lot of brokers like, please, not another webinar. And <laughs> so my challenge was how do I convey information relative to the field, important to the field, relevant to the field, that is in a way that people want to consume it. Um, and so the first thing I used to do is the benefit pitch sells out videos, which was kind of a you know, Dave's going to sell out today and who's it going to be a sellout for your coach? You know what I mean? That type of thing. And I interview Eugene and we do this sort of Jimmy Fallon meets employee benefits where I ask him about his upcoming movie. And, but after the commercial break, we might do a dance competition. So I ask companies about <laughs> upcoming, you know, their product, their service, and then we do something wacky and funny. And it was a lot of fun to do, but it wasn't as consumable. People were not watching it as much. People who did watch it enjoyed it, but it wasn't widespread. So I figured too long, format not quite right. And so I started to have brokers say, you know, Dave, we get contacted by so many vendors. Could you just help us like, you know, tell them the right way to do things because they do it wrong. They do this and they do this. I'm like, well, why don't we do a podcast or a video or something and you can tell them. And they were like, well, for two reasons, I, I don't know that I want to do that. One is, you know, I don't want to be bad mouthing our vendors. And it's not necessarily bad mouthing, but there are some pretty outrageous stories. Bad. If you watch yeah. them or what happens, which sure cracks me up that they actually happen, but it is what it is. But the other one is they're like, also, Dave, if my face and name and firm is out in your world, there are 1200 plus vendors that are going to see it. I'm going to get inundated with emails and contacts. He's like, I don't want that either. You know? And so I said, well, what if we masked you? And they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, like the best <laughs> you know, mask broker. And so Working with my my outsourced marketing group, uh, Excelity, we came up with a concept. I said, what if we threw, you know, some sort of a thing? And we came up with really clever ideas. You know, my favorite one was a talking potato. If you Google talking potato avatar, it's the funniest thing you'll ever watch. It gets like eyebrow shrugs and it it's hilarious, but it's a download and all this stuff. I'm like, nah. The brokers firms, I know their software, their IT, they're not going to let them download these other things. Well, right. so I'm going to share this. Was, yeah, we went with what we had, which was avatars on Zoom. i the creator of Benefit Pitch, and I'm pleased to bring you the Masked Broker, a series where we interview brokers. News and information available this is everywhere. It? You know, <laughs> come in the door and don't know what we do and don't have a, a general idea of how our organization is set up. That's really a negative. Um, I'd say... <laughs> Oh, look at that. Dave. See, this is how we do it. So I'm oh, talking. That's awesome. Yeah. And we do a combination of uh 
you know, the animal in the background. And then we just call it something funny, you know, and polar bear in That's the beach awesome. and X Foxy and wolf in the woods. And we just recorded one recently, which was a uh, uh, pink rabbit in the garden or something like that. I forget what we called it, but it, the brokers love it because they're able to freely share some of the things that bro a vendor should and should not do. And what was interesting is the other side, our vendors, our solution partners, really, I get regularly reached out to saying, Dave, this is gold. This is perfect. I didn't know this. Keep it coming. And so it's like, fantastic. So we're just going to keep doing it until it's not worth doing anymore. And then we'll figure out something else to do. Exactly. That's awesome. Great. That's yeah. awesome. On that, on that fun, fun note, uh, Jim, floor is yours with your famous questions. Okay, Dave, let's go back in the the way back machine. So you're you're um, or you're coming out of you actually we'll put you forward. So you've built up benefit pitch to this phenomenal phenomenal uh, success, and every broker using it, and the best solutions are being pitched into employers and benefit managers as a result of how you've curated the system. Employees are staying healthier, living longer as a result of the service that you're offering. And you're giving a keynote speech um, just outside of St. Elizabeth's in Braintree. And afterwards, a couple of people say, hey, let's go to the local Irish pub around the corner. And your family, your seven siblings want to meet you there. And they want to hear about the, how the keynote went. And they're talking. And you're sitting there and young, uh, good-looking man uh, looks over. He's kind of his lights, you know, his kind of uh, Irish-skinned <laughs> guy. He's a little sunburned from the day. And he comes out and he's, he says, it's Dave, Dave, you like, I have to talk to you and you don't know who this person is. And, and he sits there and he lashes at you and he, and he, he just pitches you this awesome new AI driven benefit pitch mast system aggregator technology. And you look at this young, talented executive that this idea there's what's the one piece of advice would you give to that, that young Dave Kerrigan starting off? Yeah, I don't know that it's one piece because you can imagine there's a thousand things you could tell somebody. Uh, I'm going to write a book, I think, one day on on basically how not to start a business. Um, and maybe <laughs> one way you did do it work because so far for me, it's working. But I think one of the biggest things I would tell anyone, and I do this with the companies that I, I mentor and advise anyway, you do get pitched. We've got this great idea of an AI-based that, 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 that. I said, great. What problem are you solving and for whom? And it just starts with as simple as that. You know, what what you the, the statement is don't be a solution in search of a problem. Because if you are, you're barking up the wrong tree. Now, listen, there are there's a history, albeit really small, you know, of success, I should say, of a company like when when Steve Jobs created the iPhone, they were flip phones and they work fine. But for some reason, he had this mind that was thinking, we put apps and we do this and it'll be amazing. It works. And if if that happened years ago, I probably would not have invested because I would have been like, what problem are you solving? Phones work just fine. Why do you need apps? They have internet. And like all the things that, you know, probably shouldn't have worked yet worked. And now here we are. That's a rare instance for the rest of the entrepreneurs out there. You really got to know your space and know who your customer is, what problem you're solving and how you're solving it. Because if you're just saying, I have an idea and I talked to three friends. And so it's an N of one, N of two, that you have as a comparison point, you're on a track for potential failure 
you know, you got to know your customer base. You got to know your problem you're solving. So don't be that solution in search of a problem. I guess it'd be the best advice. Love the it. other part is awesome. get comfortable being uncomfortable and there's never a good time. So if you're going to do it, take a chance and do it. Awesome. Mr. Carrigan. <laughs> uh, that honor, was awesome. As always. And well, thank uh, you, man. gentlemen. I, I really appreciate you having me. I was looking forward to this. Over and out. Pleasure to meet yeah, you, Dave. You